0: Bible so let's turn to Luke chapter 10 looking at verses 25 to 37 I will be reading from the 2011 NIV so Luke 10 verses 25 to 37 But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor? to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers and the expert in the law replied the one who had mercy on him Jesus told him go and do likewise Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word. Well, obviously, we're continuing our series uh, on fruitfulness on the front line. And the whole point of this series and the series that we're doing in the morning is to encourage you to be doing good works in your everyday. We want people to realize what God has called us to do is more about what we do in the nine to five on the days of the week than what it is about coming to church on a Sunday. Of course, we want you to come to church. We want to celebrate here. We want to have great times together praising our God. But our major work is... Outside of these four walls, when we encounter those in the community, I'd really like to do a little bit of a recap so you can get some of this stuff um, embedded in your minds and uh, hopefully be able to remember uh, what we have spoken about. So, the first week I spoke on being salt and light, and this was a call for each and every one of us to be strong and faithful as a Christian, as I said, in the nine to five, not just here on a Sunday. We heard and learnt about what we look like when we're gathered together and that's that diagram on the left. When we're gathered as a church, those that we impact are very, very minimal. But when we go out into our week, which is the second diagram, the red dots are you as Christians out in the community and obviously you have a much greater impact on those who do not know Jesus. I also mentioned the 15% that we historically as churches have fought for, the 15% who are willing to walk into a church building. But very few have done anything for the 85% who would never step foot inside a church. And so we've got to turn things around. We've got to focus uh, on that 85 And so when we, in our Christian walk, our day-to-day, our Christian life should be evident in the workshop, in the warehouse, in the office, in the schoolroom, in the car park, in the surgery, in the kitchen, the sporting field, and on the golf course, whenever and wherever we go. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. He calls us to shine his light and to be his salt in the world. We come into contact with way more people in our everyday who need Jesus than you ever will sitting in this church. It was emphasised that the faith we proclaim is about the church going. It's no longer about gathering people in the church. That's never been God's way. It's about us as a church gathering together, then encouraging each other to go into the world, making disciples of all nations. Last week I gave the first of two of the six M's. So I do apologise to those who were in the service last week who heard me say six M's and I got to number two and they were like, whew, we're going to be here until midnight. I do apologise for that misunderstanding. We're going to continue to do one a week. So the first of the two M's was modelling godly character and making good work. And modelling godly character was about living for him, doing all things in Jesus' name and making every moment a moment of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, love, peace, thankfulness, wisdom. Because we have chosen to live for Jesus. And in choosing to live with Jesus, we agree to put to death our old selves. The death which focuses on me and what I want. And so these things should be in ever-creasing amounts in our lives. Making good work is about acknowledging that we've been created for good works, which God has planned in advance. He's prepared them for us and he calls us to walk in them. We all have the opportunity to do good work. We work... But this isn't just working, this is good work. This is about acknowledging that where we are and what we're doing, regardless of that type of work, we can do good work for God in that place, in our everydays. And the challenge was to be mindful of God's call. And in this last week, you were called to perhaps bring order in helping take out the rubbish or cleaning up a particularly... Uh, messy area to make provision bringing someone a cup of coffee or something that you normally wouldn't do that for Uh, bringing joy uh, making a birthday cake or sending an encouraging word to someone something like that bringing beauty uh, taking flowers into work or again cleaning up a particularly ugly area at work and making it look a lot better or even releasing the potential of someone telling them something that you've seen in them that you value that you think is a great attribute that they have And I gave you this card. Well, hopefully you took one of these cards. And the idea was at the each of every day to reflect prayerfully on on your day and ask God how you've done these things. How did you go with that? Has anyone got anything they did? Don't be shy. I'll pack up and go home because I feel like I'm wasting my time. Anyone? No one. Wow. Wow. Sorry? Preach it again? I haven't got my notes from last week, I'm sorry. Did I see your hand up the back? I see that hand, brother. Yell it out. What do you do? Right, really bad. <laughs> um, choosing not to keep the standard, but uh, change it for a higher one. Bless you, brother. That's awesome. That's awesome. So choosing not the lower standard, but to aim for a higher one during work. That's awesome. And these don't have to be big things. These are small things that God challenges you about. And that's what the Christian walk is about. It's about acknowledging God who's called you something and being willing to put those things in your life so that there is slow, gradual change. It's about becoming more and more holy each and every day. No one's got anything else? Yep, go. amen awesome so that was about not working just for money but making the choice that i'm here for god and building relationships with other people that's absolutely awesome that's what we want to hear anyone else cool awesome so made lunch for a year one team at school that's awesome all little things, great things that have a huge impact and we'll hear a little bit tonight about some of the impacts that you can have in people's lives. So thank you for those of you who are sharing and uh, please don't, don't take this stuff for granted. It, none of it's any good if we don't actually take this on board and apply it to our lives and, and see what God can do when we, you know, step up for the challenges and things like that. We're going to pause and pray and then uh, we'll get into the message for this evening. So let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for your goodness to me. I want to thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, it's clearly evident, Father, that your word's a powerful word. It has transformed my life and has transformed so many lives in this building and in the lives of those at home as well, Lord. And Father, can we just have more of that? Can we be challenged by Holy Spirit tonight? Will you speak your word boldly to us and in such a way we can't ignore it? But Lord, can that just challenge us? And during this week, you remind us how to use that, Lord, and that we'll be willing to put some things in place so we can be greater ambassadors for you, Lord. It's not about us, it's all about you. Just challenge us to be greater ambassadors for you, Lord, and to live out our lives in a manner that honors and glorifies you in your name and that draws people into the kingdom. So, Father, give us open hearts, open ears, open minds to hear from you this evening. So what we're going to be talking about tonight as we move through this passage of Scripture is ministering grace and love. In the last few weeks, we've spoken about how we normally live, the things we normally do, and how our focus should be on Not necessarily changing those things per se, but rather doing them in a godly way, as we heard someone has made that choice to do. A way that reflects God and it brings honour and glory to Him. That is what we're called to do. So as we move into ministering in grace and love, we move beyond what we have to do, the everyday and our everyday tasks, and into a place of taking the initiative, responding to what we see generously, Lavishly and looking for opportunities and seizing those opportunities. I, I, I just want you to pause with me and think about the love, the grace that God has poured out upon each one of us who believes in Him. You may think that was a strategic pause. It wasn't, I just needed a drink. So, I'm going to turn to Ephesians um, chapter 2. I'll be reading verses 4 to 10. You can follow if you wish or you can just listen uh, as I read this. So Ephesians chapter 2 um You have been saved through faith. And this, not your own doing, is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But God, do you realize just how powerful that but is? That's the biggest but you will ever hear on this earth. This is God loving us, overflowing in his mercy, not because of the good in me, not because of anything I've done, not because of who I can be, it's because of who he is. It's a love which is immeasurably good because of everything that is good in him. He is good all the time. Amen? Amen. And that's the God we worship. His love is such that it overflows from us, oh, sorry, overflows from him to us in grace, God's favor. He pours it out on us and he did it while I was dead in my sins. I had no hope of helping myself. I was vile, I was filthy, I was totally unlovable and yet he did. He loved me. And it was a lavish love. I came to him. covered in the blood of his son because I killed Jesus because of my sin. And when I knocked on that door, he not only opened the door and didn't slam it in my face because that's what I should have deserved. He, He invited me in. He sat me at his table. He prepared a meal for me. And he gave me equal status and rights with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes no sense. I am saved by grace. I am nothing without Christ. I have nothing. I can do nothing to save myself. But God can. And he makes me good. But he makes me good because the only good in me is because of God and all he has done. It is Jesus Christ in me. He intervened in my life. He makes sinful people holy. He makes disobedient people obedient. He calls us to his works, his purpose. And he has good work for his holy people to do. And we can only do that work if we fully understand his grace and love we are called to allow his grace and love to throw, flow through us. True ministry are the works of God, his love in action, but it's through us. It's about allowing that incredible love and grace that we experienced in Christ Jesus to overflow us To others. Grace doesn't have to. But Grace does. Grace doesn't have to. But Grace does. You know, there's a few accounts in scripture that really mess with my head. I I don't fully understand what is going on. And uh, the healing of the paralyzed man, I have stood where this occurred in Israel at the pools of Bethesda. Uh, where the five colonnades are. And, And this man was a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus walks through the crowds. There's all these people there waiting to be healed, hoping to be healed. And Jesus walks through to this one man. He'd been there 38 years and he'd laid there hoping somehow that he'd be able to get into the pool when the pool was stirred so he could be healed. And Jesus walks in and he heals that one man and he leaves straight after that. He didn't have to do that, but he did. There is the account of Jesus healing the centurion's servant in Luke chapter 7. And we're told that the leaders, the Jewish leaders said to Jesus, you should do this for this guy because he's been so good to us. He's done so much for us. Will you please heal this centurion's servant? He is a righteous man. And Jesus goes and he heals this servant. He didn't have to heal that servant, but he did. Jesus, in his resurrected form, there's so many things that he does that I don't fully understand. So he was dead, buried, on the third day he rose again. And he meets the disciples by the Sea of Galilee and he cooks them fish. He didn't have to do that. But he did. It's in John 21. He didn't have to come to this earth. He didn't have to live fully as a man. He didn't have to submit to the limitations of humanity, but he did. And he submitted even to the point of death at the hands of his creation. He didn't have to do that, but he did. He didn't have to do any of that, but he did because of his love, because of his grace, because of his obedience to the Father's will and the purpose That he was sent for grace doesn't have to love doesn't have to but they do and we come to the passage of scripture tonight that what you've heard read out and the vast majority of us know this is the good samaritan Luke 10 25 and 26 says, and behold a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying teacher what should I do to inherit eternal life and he said to him what is written in the law how do you read it now this is a lawyer when we speak about lawyers now we think of someone like Ken (laughs) no we don't (laughs) how many of you knew Ken was a lawyer well there you go so maybe they did But when we think of lawyers, we think about those people who were caught up in working with the law, in representing people and things like that in the courts. That's not what a lawyer was in these times in the Bible. In Jesus' day, they were more concerned about religion than about the legal things that were going on. Of course, anything related to religion and the law of Moses, that was what they dealt with. And so these guys were a lot um, like the scribes. And so they'd spend all their time studying the oral and written law of Israel. And we're told here, this guy came to put Jesus to the test. What was the test? What was he trying to do? What was he trying to see about Jesus? And I think it was one of those occasions where he was like, I know what Messiah should be like. I've heard about this Jesus bloke. And I'm just going to go and I'm going to see if what he says measures up with what the law says, because I know the law. And I bet you I know better than this guy who came from Nazareth. And I'm going to test him, and I'm going to see if it's in line with what Scripture says. And Jesus' response is quite interesting. It's almost like he says, well, are you asking me what you should do? You're a teacher of the law. You tell people about this stuff. How would you answer this question if one of them asked you? It's a paraphrased version, it's Charlie's version, but that's basically what's being said here. And the man rightly responds to Jesus. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, this is a teacher of the law. And he rattled this off pretty quick, didn't he? And he got it right. This is what scripture says. He himself would tell people that this is how they should be living. He knows what is right. He knows how he should live. And yet he is not living like that. The lawyer's faith is not based upon a relationship with God. And living in obedience is an outworking of that relationship. Rather, he's relying on teaching the law and his knowledge of that law to establish what he calls faith. And I'm not sure how big the burn was for him when Jesus said, do this and you will live. Jesus is saying, you're not doing this, man. You know this stuff. Do this and you will live. And we're told straight away that he desired to justify himself. He wanted to prove his actions were right and reasonable. Now, I know none of us would ever do that. So we can only assume that his answer there was something that we're not fully getting and understanding. And perhaps it's that he believes he doesn't actually have any neighbors. So it, this doesn't apply to him because he doesn't have any neighbors. So he's living righteously. And so he asks Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And because his attitude was one of justifying himself, he clearly does not get it. Those who seek... To justify their actions aren't thinking of anyone else but themselves and our call is to constantly look to others to elevate others about ourselves above ourselves to think of them before we think of ourselves and it's interesting that jesus doesn't give a direct answer to this question he goes on to speak a parable and so this in this parable there's this man who is assumed all through history to be a jew And he's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and he's attacked and he's beaten and robbed of all his possessions. He's left seriously injured, half dead in fact, and naked by the road. But there's hope because it just so happens by chance that a priest is going down the same road. This is awesome, isn't it, that this guy can be saved. But then when he sees this injured man, he crosses over and passes by on the other side. And we need to know that Jesus, when he's talking about the priests in this day and age, he still respects the role of priests in Israel and their function. And the scribes and the Pharisees at the time were more public than what the priests were, but the priests' primary responsibility continued to be offering the sacrifices on the altar in the temple. And they were also responsible for blessing the people. Can you see the little disconnect there? So he happens along, he sees this man who's been beaten, and he does nothing to help. And all through my Christian life, all through my association with churches, I've heard people justifying their actions, the actions of this guy. They've said things like, well, this guy's a priest, and he has these holy functions to do with a whole heap of people. And if he was to go and touch this guy, this injured man, he would become unclean, and then he wouldn't be able to fulfill his role as a priest. The priesthood, as I said, is a channel of God's blessing to the common people, for the lack of a better term. He is a channel, or supposed to be, a channel of blessing from God to the people. And his idea of blessing someone is to leave them in the gutter and die? This man places himself above a fellow Jew, someone who was in need. And he fails to be that blessing that that man so desperately needed. But there's still hope because, you see, this Levite comes along. And I'm not sure if you're aware of the distinction between the Levites and the priests, but to be a priest, you have to be a Levite. But not all Levites are priests. So from the tribe of Levi, these people come. And so these guys, they helped the priests, the ones who weren't actually priests. They were involved in the temple ministry and um, they, as I said, come from the tribe of Levi. And the Levites helped in the temple by preparing the cereal offerings, uh, caring for the courts and the chambers of the temple. And in Jesus' day, they also interpreted the law and they were teaching others about that very law. So these guys, like the priests, should have understood that what they taught was expected to be backed up by their actions but he comes along and he sees this man near death and he walks past on the other side and finally we're told about this guy a samaritan and the samaritan comes along and he sees the man and he had compassion he went up to him he bound his wounds he poured oil and wine on them then he set them set the man on his own donkey on his own animal, and he brought him to the inn and he took care of him. And he said to the innkeeper, he said, I've got to keep going. He said, but if there's anything more, here's a couple of denarii. And if there's anything more, when I come back, I will pay the difference. And this is shocking to those who heard Jesus speak. This man in the ditch had most in common with the priest and the Levite. And when you think about it, they were all coming from Jerusalem. It's most likely that the priest, the Levite and the guy in the ditch had all been in the temple worshipping God. This dude, this Samaritan, most likely was not. And the priest and the Levites performed sacrifices and roles interceding between the people and God. Most likely, on one of those days, the man in the ditch was there. But the reality is the priests and the Levites' channel of blessing is shallow. They're called to be a blessing to those outside the temple. But their blessing only goes as far as the temple walls. It doesn't extend into their everyday. So it fall short of what God always intended. His purpose and will. And Jesus comes to the pointy end of this story for the lawyer. He turns to the lawyer, the teacher of the law, and he asks, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? The greatest shock in this story is not that the priest didn't provide help or that the Levite was the same and didn't provide help, but that an enemy, a sworn enemy of the Jews, Someone considered worse than swine to the Jewish nation, unclean, not acknowledged, not accepted, would be the one who showed mercy, compassion and love to a Jew in a ditch. It was a Samaritan. And I don't think it a coincidence that the lawyer couldn't even say Samaritan. When Jesus asks which one proved to be the neighbour, this guy said... The man who showed mercy. He may have never said the name Samaritan before because it was considered to be that unclean. Maybe even saying that name made him feel unclean. But for for whatever reason, all he can bring himself to say is that it was the one who showed mercy, who lived out the command to love God and to love his neighbour as himself. And again, Jesus wants to drive home the point. And he says... You go and do likewise. No excuses. No reasoning. Just show my love and grace wherever you go, with whoever you encounter. Show mercy to those who are not expecting it, to those who feel they are excluded because of their beliefs, their ethnicity, their gender, their sexual preferences, their social class or whatever. When we are called into the work of our Lord and Saviour, it's a privilege and a duty of every Christian to assist the needy, regardless of who they are, the lost, the heartbroken, the depressed, the downtrodden, in fact, everyone. And I want you to dwell on this phrase that I've thrown up a couple of times. Grace doesn't have to, love doesn't have to, but they do. This is the call for us. You see, grace and love looks for opportunities. And I can tell you, there was this time that I was driving along the road and I saw this guy walking across the road in front of me and it was a hot day and he had bare feet and I was like, oh man, and God just said, give him your shoes. And I was like, cool. So I did a U-bolt to try and get back to this guy to give him my shoes and he was gone. I don't know where he went. And I was like, "Ah." I had an opportunity and I missed it. But I I still don't know how he could disappear. There was nowhere he could go. He must have fallen down a hole or something I didn't see. And and I was a bit cut up about that. And and I went back to my office and I was sitting in my office and it wouldn't have been 10 minutes and this guy comes into the office. wasn't the same guy. This guy comes into the office and he says, mate, he said, "Um, I've been kicked out of my family home. He said, I've I've done a few things that were pretty bad. He said, but I'm in a desperate place now. And uh, I've been living it rough on the streets. Can, can you just give me a little bit of money to get something to eat? I said, mate, I'd be better than that. I said, let's go get you something to eat. I said, what clothes have you got? He goes, I've only got the clothes on my back. I was like, mate, let, let's go get you some clothes. So we went and got him full change of clothes. We got him several, lots of underwear, a jacket and a few other bits and pieces. Got him some food. I said, now, mate, where, where are you staying? He said, I'm living rough. I said, I'm going to drive you into the city. I'm going to get you into a hostel. He goes, oh, mate, you don't have to do that. I said, well, actually, I think I do. And so I phoned some of these hostels that home men in the city, and I managed to get him a bed for a few days, enough just to hopefully get him back on his feet and, and see how he was going. I'm not telling you this because it's a big thing. I'm not telling you this because I want you to think more of me. I'm telling you this because I saw someone, a person made in God's image, a person whom God loved a person who was valuable in his eyes. And that person at that time needed a little bit of help. And when I gave them what I gave them, it was no big deal for me. It wasn't hard to help him. There was this other situation, this guy called Dave. Dave. He was disappointed because he didn't get many opportunities in, in his workplace to talk about Jesus in, in the office that he worked in. And he had this desire to share Jesus, as I'm sure so many of you do. And he constantly prayed for divine appointments. He was asking God to bring someone along in his office, in his work environment, that he could tell about Jesus because a whole lot of them were lost. And he was just begging God to give him an opportunity, but nothing seemed to happen. And it was one of those workplaces where you couldn't just bring the subject of Jesus up. He was looking for them to say something that he'd just grasp hold of and then tell them about his Lord and Saviour. And Dave was so frustrated about the lack of movement in his workplace and what he perceived as God not answering his prayer that he went to his pastor and he said, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to happen and I've been praying and asking the Lord and nothing has happened. And the pastor encouraged him to remain vigilant to pray for opportunities and for God to reveal those opportunities to him and one day Dave went to work and a fellow called James didn't turn up at work that day and that was highly irregul- irregular for James he was always punctual always on time and everyone just put it down to the fact well James must have partied extra hard on the weekend and so he just needs a little bit of time to recuperate so no one was really worried but the next day when James didn't turn up again Dave was like no I've got to do something I've something's going on here so dave phoned james he said james he said mate are you all right he said no he said i am really sick he said i've never been this sick in my life and dave said mate is there anyone who could look after you and he said no i live on my own i don't have any friends outside of work i don't have any family and i'm just in this house on my own and so dave said mate i'm coming around and he went round and James was in a pretty bad state when he got there so he got him up out of the bed he helped him into the shower and got him clean he took all his sheets off the bed and changed that he went and got some food and cooked him a meal the next day he took him to the doctor and for five days Dave just served him he went and saw James every night cooked him a meal every night got him to the doctor got his prescription medicine and everything like that made sure that this guy was looked after. And there was not one opportunity during that time for Dave to talk about Jesus to James either. He just served him. He did good work. And Dave, when he realised that James was okay and coming back to work, he was like, oh, God, I missed an opportunity. I could have spoken about you and I, I didn't do it. But when James came back to work... He told everyone what Dave had done. And Dave found that as he was walking down the corridor, people would stop him and say, Man, I've just been talking to James. Mate, why did you do that? And Dave, he's a pretty humble guy. And he quietly replied that he had come to believe in Jesus. And that Jesus had such an impact upon his life that he just wanted to model what Jesus did when he was on this earth to others. He wanted to show grace and favour and love to those around him. And he didn't know how to do that, but he believed that helping James out was one small thing he could do. Dave got to speak to a whole heap of people in that workplace. I don't know if any came to faith or not. But what an impact that has. It's a pretty awesome story, isn't it? It would be great if we all had one of these great stories where something miraculous happened. But what does Jesus say when we look at Matthew 10.42? He says, whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. A cup of cold water. I think we can all do that yeah this week I'm gonna give you a fake $5 note yeah yep I've already been chastised by the young adults over this so uh, if you think this looks like a $5 note um, good on you There's a printing error on here. I'll have to go see if I can find some more. (laughs) Please forgive me if I can't. But I'll give this $5 note to you. And this is just a reminder. I'd like you to set aside $5 this week just to show grace and love to someone. What is grace? It is undeserved favour. It is something totally unexpected. And we are told to love everyone. And so with this $5 I'd like you to bless someone who you normally wouldn't the last person that you'd do it for and you might decide to buy them a coffee you might decide to get them a chocolate you might decide to buy a card and just write some encouraging words in it and give to that person can I encourage you to do it it's something very very simple um the young adults maybe the whole church i don't know i i had uh one of my young adults from my former church come to me and she spoke to me about the terrible boss she had how awful this woman was she just could see the worst in any situation she was always picking on the staff always putting people down and and this girl just poured her heart out to me she says charlie what would you have me to do well, how how can i help change this situation and uh I said to this girl, I said, you love coffee, eh? I said, we're united in that. She goes, oh, yeah. I said, so do you buy coffee at work? She goes, yeah, of course I buy coffee at work. I said, I want you to buy her one as well. She went, no way. No, there is no way. I said, wait. I said, this is grace and love. This is doing something unexpected. This is ministering in a way that is countercultural. And she agreed to buy that cup of coffee through gritted teeth. She was angry at me, which that's fine. You should have seen the way she came up to me the next Sunday. She was so excited. She's like, you're not going to believe what happened. I was like, what? I bought her a cup of coffee. I said, that's awesome, but there must be more. Apparently, this woman almost broke down in tears. No one had ever done anything nice for her. Cup of coffee. It didn't even cost five bucks back then. It was $4.20. And this woman sat down and spoke to my young adult and just said, I can't believe someone would do something so nice for me. It was a cup of coffee for 4 bucks 20 And this person was just transformed and their relationship changed over that. And of course she asked, why would you do this? She said, because my stupid pastor told me to. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> she said, because I believe God wants me to show his grace and love towards everyone. And this is just one way i can do that can i encourage you five bucks if you can't afford five bucks maybe i'll give you five bucks i don't have it with me at the moment but i can get it to you just encourage someone build someone up this week but let it be someone that you wouldn't normally do it with someone who'd find it totally unexpected let's pray father god I thank you so much that you've challenged me again. And Lord, I want to show love and grace like you've shown me love and grace. I want to speak into people's lives. And Lord, I just ask that that'll be the desire of everyone here, that Lord, you will challenge us to reach out into our communities and to have an impact upon them. So Lord, help us not to leave tonight without taking this fake five bucks and to remember it throughout the week and to do things that are nice and unexpected. In Jesus' name amen I'm going to share one more thing with you I might embarrass someone and I'm sorry if I do but this speaks right into what we're talking about tonight Uh, pastor Alvin met someone at the bus stop this week and that person had a sore shoulder pastor Alvin offered to carry her shopping home and did so. that lady's here tonight because pastor Alvin carried her bags it's not hard is it folks Please stand as we sing our last song.